Good morning, Four Oaks Church. It's Wednesday, January 17th, and it's 22 degrees outside. I know you're all wondering, and I'm not going to keep you um, in limbo forever, sitting on pins and needles, wondering the answer to this question. But yes, I did walk down here this morning from my home to live broadcast this special devotional. Anyway, um, it's it's one of the two times of the year I get to break out my big Tennessee puffer jacket. So anyway, thanks for joining us. We are working our way through the Gospel of Matthew, and this week we're camping out on Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. And we're weaving our way through this passage as a way, number one, to, to kind of point us towards Sunday. This is the passage we're going to be preaching on. But secondly, to ho Lord willing, hopefully give you a sense of how I'm thinking about the passage, how I'm interpreting it, how how I'm coming to what I'm coming to, the resources I'm using, so that hopefully you can also grow in your personal study of God's Word. So we are in Matthew 15, and we're looking at the faith of a Canaanite woman. Now let me read the passage, and let's pick up where we left off yesterday. Verse 21, Matthew 15. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now, these last two days, we've spent sort of doing what I call the spade work of the passage, meaning asking all the relevant questions, trying to ascertain the context, what's going on, and the flow of things. And we left off yesterday by, by trying to contextualize what we see as very non-Jesus-like responses to this woman, Jesus's seemingly obtuseness, um, his let's just call it his bluntness, what seems to be his condescendingness um, towards her, calling her a dog, all those things. And not going to rehash yesterday's uh, devotional today. Go back and listen to it if you want to pick up the pieces there. But, but fundamentally, we said this is not Jesus uh, playing a game. It's not Jesus uh, being obtuse. This is Jesus drawing out from this woman the genuine response of faith that he knew was in her heart. And, and the reason he's doing this is not just to do a work in her, but it's really to give us a portrait of, of faith, right? And so that's where we're going to zero in these next three days. So if you look at verse 28, I think this is indeed the main passage. Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Now, the reason I say that faith is the point of this passage, I mean, of course, Jesus is the point of every passage. But remember, this woman came to Jesus not needing a miracle to affirm who he was. That's how miracles oftentimes happen in Jesus's ministry. But rather, 
she already knew who he was, right? She addresses him as Lord, uh, the son of David. She falls down prostrate before him. Um, and she is in humble, worshipful submission. She's coming to him because she knows precisely who he is. And it's because of this, Jesus doesn't need to do a miracle to show who he is. She already believes that. He's doing a miracle to show us what genuine faith looks like. The thing I want to point out to us today, and it should be, it's kind of blatantly obvious, but it really bears repeating in our current cultural context, that, that faith is wholly and completely dependent upon the object that we are putting our faith in. Now, now why do I... Why, why am I saying that in this way? Well, a lot of times, actually, our culture does talk a lot about faith. It does talk a lot about uh, human aspiration or hope against hope or believing. So, so just for an example, you um, right now we have the uh, the NFL playoffs going on, and a lot of times you'll hear players interviewed after the game and just say, well, when did you guys know you were going to win this game? And, and invariably they'll say things like this. We're a brotherhood. We're a family. We, we believe in each other. We always had that belief. We, we knew that that belief was going to carry us through. Okay. Which, which sounds good on one level, but ultimately there, there's a, there's, there's a problem in using the word faith, right? Faith is being, what does Hebrews say, sure of what we hope for, certain of what we cannot see. Sure, surety and certainty. Well, football players can't be really sure or certain of anything because there's so much that's beyond our, their control. Injury and how their other teammates are doing and what the other team is doing and the weather conditions and blah, 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 right? What we have to remember is that even when teams lose, if you were to go behind the scenes, they were always having those same conversations. They have the same conversations every game, right? They're down. It's coming down to the last two minutes. They, they're saying, okay, we, we believe in each other. We're ha we, have we know we have faith that we're going to win, and they lose. But you don't hear about those stories, right? But that shows us something about our society's relationship to faith. Faith, oftentimes, societally speaking, is just a hope. Sometimes it's a distant hope. Sometimes it's a, it's a Pollyannish fairy tale hope. Um, it's wishful thinking, right? I just had faith in myself. I just had faith in the process. And can we just say once and for all, that's not biblical faith, okay? That's not faith at all, as the Bible would define it, right? Um, faith in the Bible is holy and completely dependent upon the certainty of that hope and that object. And we know from the scriptures, there's only one surety and there's only one certainty, and that's God and his son, Jesus Christ. Okay, that's it. That's it. And the word that he's given to us to communicate about himself. And so the reason we're, we're, we're belaboring this point a little bit is that before we talk about sort of what I might call the experiential, okay, or subjective nature of this woman's faith. And, we're, and that is important, and we're going to talk about it. None of it, right, none of it is helpful, useful. In fact, it's all pointless 
if the object of her faith, which is Jesus, is untrustworthy or is not who he says he is, no amount of persistence and wishful thinking and humility and pleading and chasing after Jesus is going to do her any good if Jesus is merely a man, right? So going back to this passage, these are easy things to skip over. But when she addresses him, what does she say? Have mercy on me, O Lord. Now, Lord can be sir, but most certainly when she follows that Lord with son of David, okay? Remember, son of David was the messianic title, the fact that the Messiah was going to come from the line of King David. And when you mix those two things together, Lord, she's acknowledging maybe even more than she realizes, but she's, she's acknowledging, for the knowledge, acknowledging for the knowledge that she has that this is someone great. This is God. This is the son of David. This is the promised one, the Messiah. Look back in the way that she says this, verse 25, but she came and knelt before him or bowed before him, okay? Lay prostrate before him. Lord, help me. And she's acknowledging there, is she not, that she is in the presence of someone greater, someone who could actually do the very thing that she was asking, right? And so, so all of this is to say, okay, that our faith is not in faith. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. And so we have to keep that in mind and, and really try to, to, to use faith in the right way, okay? Sometimes we use the word faith as if we're the object of the faith, right? I had faith in myself. I had faith in my teammates. All of those are fallible, right? All of those are temporary. All of those are broken vessels. And so one of the, the, the key bedrock of all genuine biblical faith is the object of that faith, which is Jesus Christ. So here, here's a question for you today. What is your hope in? What is your faith in? If your faith is in how well your kids will do or the success of your marriage or your job or your money or your schoolwork or your career or your body, we know that those ultimately are not trustworthy objects of faith. But our faith, when it's in Jesus, trusts that Jesus wins out in the end, that his will is done perfectly, that nothing is happening to us or for us or against us that's not for our benefit and for his glory. So I know it sounds very plainly obvious, but there it is right in the text. Now, tomorrow and Friday, we're going to look at some of those personal experiential aspects of faith, subjective, and, and they're not it's not that they're unimportant. In fact, they're very important, okay? We're going, to talk, we're going to talk about perseverance and humility and such. Those are hugely important, but they're fully and solely contingent upon the certainty of what the faith is in. That's Jesus. Place your hope there. Lord, um, there's a lot of things that would call to us to say, trust me. But Lord, this morning, today, we want to trust you. And so, Lord, let us learn from this lesson from this Canaanite woman 
that she knew her only hope in life and death was knowing you. Lord, we ask, we pray and ask that you impress this upon our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.